Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your word, uh, that in it you give us yourself. Thank you for it spoken, written down, for it read, <clears throat> and for it proclaimed to us today. So work in us by your spirit that our hearts might be shaped by your heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do keep Malachi uh, chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, and uh, chapter 3 open in front of you. Uh, but let me ask, have you ever doubted whether the Lord has your back? Uh, there are plenty of circumstances, aren't there, in life. Uh, I probably don't need to list them for you. Uh, circumstances that could call him into question. Uh, the suffering of a loved one. Chronic illness. The death of a baby. And, and have you ever heard someone say, I can't believe in a God who would allow people to suffer? Maybe you thought it yourself. Uh, or who condemns people to judgment? And when you look at the church, you know, church here today, church across the day for us this Sunday in Emu Plains, uh, how few are here compared to how many thousands are not. And that those thousands, you look and you see nicer houses and perhaps more money and certainly less complicated families. And what about when your brother or sister in Christ experiences, because of their trust in Jesus, blowback or mockery or rejection at the hands of those who don't trust him? Uh, or get told, you get told you're on the wrong side of history or what you should or shouldn't believe or how you should act as a Christian, like as if they would know. It's not hard to have your doubts. Uh, it's not hard to wonder if the Lord really does love us. It's not hard to wonder whether he is really just. And wonderfully, God's word doesn't paper over the reality that this can be very much a part of our experience. In fact, it meets us in that place. What can we do? What should we do? Well, Malachi, in the contribution that uh, he has to make as the prophet of God in this book of the prophet of God, uh, the last Old Testament prophet before Jesus, and reading it as we are today as Christian scripture, as God's word to you and me, it shows us how to meet the antidote, in fact, to those doubts of God's love or doubts of his justice. And how might we do that? in patient endurance, in trust of his promises, that in a way reflects indeed his patient endurance with us. We're talking about a serious topic, a grave topic, the topic of judgment, a, a topic that's not very popular uh, today, this morning, but even as we hear it, it is a word to comfort and keep us in the Lord. Let's get into it. This is the fourth uh, of six confrontations between God and his people in Malachi. Uh, I'm going to use the same three handy questions that I mentioned last week, which are helpful for reading uh, God's word, any part of it and all of it. 
the first question, I'm hoping that they're starting to you know, fix in your mind as we uh, use them. What did it mean for them then? How does it point us to Jesus? And united with Jesus, what does it mean for us today? And the answer to those questions is going to be our outline. So the answer to the first question, the Lord will judge justly. To the second, Jesus is our faithful judge and refiner. And in answer to the third, as we are united with him and trust him, endure now, ready for his judgment to come. So, as we were reminded uh, in the uh, video beforehand, uh, we're at the end of the Old Testament, we're at the uh, end of the Old Testament's history of the, uh, the choosing and the blessing uh, of Israel to the high point of King David and then the decline and being exiled in consequence of their failure to obey God. It's now some generations uh, uh, after they had returned to the land, but with everything they'd expected of God, really in their view, not much to show for it. And so that's why they call into question whether he really does love them, uh, whether he really is fair, whether he is really just. And the pattern of this confrontation is like uh, the others that have gone before it. David uh, put a slide like this together helpfully uh, for us uh, of the Lord's charge uh, to the people. This is how each of these little confrontations flows. Uh, And then secondly, Israel's pushback, pretty bold in fact, pretty much saying prove it. Uh, And the third, well, be careful what you ask for, the Lord God does prove it. And did you notice the tone here in Malachi, both, both the people's tone and the Lord's tone? Let me uh, read it again from 2 verse 17, have a listen out for it. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? Now, I wonder if you've ever been wearied by someone's words. Uh, Can you think of a time like that? This would be one where I'd expect to see a few nods. Uh, It might be you were wearied by constant nagging. Or perhaps you were wearied by their over-the-top enthusiasm. Or perhaps by their constant complaining. The Lord God was wearied by Israel's constant complaining, but it wasn't just any complaining. They weren't complaining about things out there or over there. They were complaining against him. In fact, they were calling into question the very core of his character, whether he knows and does what is right, whether he is faithful to his word, whether he really loved these people to whom he'd promised his love. And you don't have to be reading the Bible for very long to see that everything hinges on the truth of those things. And here they are saying, well, look around us. Uh, Those people over there, those not God's people, 
They're having great harvests and good crops from their land where we have barely enough. Uh, and he's saying, they're saying their families are growing rapidly. They're having lots of children who grow up into adults who are great and useful. And while we seem barely to have enough children to not go backwards, his enemies are prospering under his reign and we, his children, are suffering. And what's going on in this attitude, in this way of... Uh, uh, taking what they see around them and coming to the conclusion of what it means uh, is those three words which mark every life, every human life without the intervention of God, I know better. That's how we view the world unless God changes us. I know better than you. You've got the same attitude to me. Uh, Together we have the same attitude toward God. But how does the Lord respond here? He says, you are mistaken. Appearances can be deceptive and they have deceived you. And so the Lord, he says, I will come and I will judge and I will judge justly. The people, God's people, uh, had asked where the God of justice was and there's more than a hint of how they have wearied him in his answer. Oh, I will come, we read on, uh, reading from 3 verse 1. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord. Uh, I think he's uh, uh, capturing their lack of trust in him when he says, you know, the Lord you are seeking and uh, whom you desire because everything they've said seems to suggest the opposite. And what's happening here is that he is, he is such a significant person uh, well, you know how when someone important's coming, you know, if we have a, a world leader visit Sydney and, you know, they shut off roads and turn the lights to green for them and all that sort of hoopla and we hear about it beforehand. Well, when any great dignitary comes, the message goes before them that they're coming. That, that is fitting. But here is the Lord Almighty, the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth. And then, after the messenger, we're told, he will come himself. You doubt my goodness. You question my faithfulness. You want to see my justice. You will see it. But if I find you continuing as you are, be careful what you wish for. Reading from 3 verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? Uh, There's not much to joke about in today's uh, sermon, is there? Uh, It's a grave warning, one which ought to give us pause for thought. For as these people, God's people, Israel, so all people put the Lord God on trial. As even the psalmist in Psalm 73 
Uh, he had made his own observations. He had come to his own judgment where he had the very same questions we started with and God's people had today. Even we may put the Lord God in, on trial as we follow their example. But the Lord says, beginning in, I'll just duck over to verse 5, so I will come to put you on trial. The roles are actually reversed. But even as the Lord describes the day of justice, the day of judgment, even as it will be a day of fire, it has this important thread of hope. So let me keep reading. For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites, that is the priests, and refine them like gold and silver. <clears throat> then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. And so there's something extraordinary that happens again here as we hear God speak to us. Uh, I think we try and simplify things and that makes it easier for us, but we can try and simplify God at the risk of missing who he is and the texture and glory of all that he has done. Yes, he is the God of judgment and justice, but he is also the one who will prepare a people who will pass through judgment as his very own. And so <clears throat> these people, God's children then, had experienced a time uh, and circumstances where they called his blessing, his loving kindness for them into question. Uh, but the time will come when the priests and the sacrifices and everything that sort of was at the heart of their life and their relationship with God would be put right. And so they would receive forgiveness. We may receive forgiveness and it's all possible because of Jesus, the one true priest of God's covenant, the one true sacrifice who gives himself to keep the extraordinary promises of God. And so where God's word to the Israelites in Malachi leads us uh, with Jesus is that Jesus is our faithful judge. Uh, we know this without any doubt because of the words on the lips of Malachi appear uh, at the outset of the New Testament as the Gospels are written and they recall them. And so at the beginning of Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, and you were probably thinking to yourself, this is familiar territory, this promise, uh, I've read this elsewhere in the Bible. Well, let me read the beginning of Mark to you. Uh, he says... Uh, about his whole gospel, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, God's King, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, 
by the way, he's going to quote Malachi and then he's going to quote Isaiah because Isaiah had said it before Malachi, but Malachi reiterates it as a final note at the end of the Old Testament. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist is the messenger, we are told, promised in Malachi, once again showing how the promises of the Lord are kept, even if it's not in the timing we might have chosen for ourselves. And Jesus is next on the scene in Mark chapter 1, where the first time he speaks, he says... The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom has come because God's king has come. Now I'm conscious one of the challenges of Malachi chapter 3 is uh, there seems to be too many messengers. (laughs) Did you wonder that? There's the messenger who comes for the messenger of the covenant. Uh, I I take it... Jesus is the messenger of the covenant, uh, you know, just as he's the son of God or uh, the Messiah. It's one of these titles that captures uh, his significance and what he's doing. He's the messenger of the covenant because he brings the closure, the fulfilment of all the promises of God. And so I'm conscious of, uh, I'm reminded of Jesus when he uh, went to the temple and when he cleared the temple, and you can read that in a number of the Gospels, but in John 2, uh, where he goes in and does that, those who were descendant from the people Malachi was speaking about, Descendants 400 years later, they questioned Jesus. No, they challenged Jesus saying, what right do you have to come here and judge us? Verse 18, John chapter 2. What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? To say you have a place in the temple of God and the purposes of God And what does he say in verse 19? Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. He's not talking about the building that had taken 48 years to build. He's talking about something more extraordinary than God saying, build the building, you know, I cover the whole earth, but I will make myself known especially in this place. Well, we have an even greater privilege God himself meeting us in Jesus, God with us, God among us, crystal clarity that God loves us. He is our judge, yes, but he is the judge we need, the judge who saves us. And so the justice of the Lord Uh, that he would endure with patience and with long-suffering our I-know-better attitude to him, Uh, that treason, that hostility and rebellion, it is only possible that we might know him and have forgiveness from him because 
he would pass through the fire himself so we might be refined. Now the judgment of God and its place in the purposes of God, we could go to all number of passages in the New Testament to see this uh, reinforced, but let me, let me take us to 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning from verse 8. Peter writes, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Listen to this. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now before I read on, if there are, there are clearly two ways to live. There is our way, our I know better way, our justifying ourselves that what we think and what we would prefer is indeed the way God should set things up and then there's the alternate way, the patient way, the patiently waiting on the Lord to keep his promises way. And so we read from verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly uh, lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. God's judgment and God's mercy stand together. They are both true. Never push one aside for the sake of the other, but re reflect in your life as you depend upon him, that same trust in him that both can be true and just. The problem we have, the problem I have, is that I want justice. Uh, but I want justice that suits the way I see things. Uh, I want justice against you when you've hurt me, at least in my view. Uh, maybe you've had a similar experience. We want justice. We actually need justice. But we need God's justice, not the hopeless mess that we would cook up. History is heading somewhere to the day of judgment and accountability, <clears throat> but we face it looking back to where the Lord Jesus reigns as God's merciful judge. In Malachi's case, the passage we read out today uh, finishes with verse 5. Uh, so I will, I will come to you to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers and perjurers, against those who defraud labourers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, 
says the Lord Almighty. I know better. You know, I know better when it comes to following the true God or those who have counterfeit gods. I know better. Uh, adultery is a form of saying I know better rather than keeping the promises I made to my spouse. Uh, perjurers, I know better than telling the truth in the situations of justice in the courts. Uh, defrauding labourers of their wages as employers, I know better uh, to make this business work and get ahead. Uh, who are those who oppress widows and the fatherless and deprive foreigners of justice? I know better than the vulnerable people who are around me. And the antidote, the privilege that is yours in mine, is that we might not do those things because I know we too can be all too guilty of them, but that we do those things and not fear the Lord. Hear this warning from God today. Do not, do not leave your relationship with God in that place. Instead, fear him for the majestic and merciful Lord that he is. The one who brings people to accountability and through Jesus, wonderfully, does not give us what we deserve. The follow-on from us, uh, or for us, in light of all that we've heard today, is that we might walk as people, like we heard last week, who are faithful, imitating the God and Lord Almighty who has been faithful to us. And so you, you pick that up uh, in the words of verse 5 we were just talking about. You pick it up in the words of Peter uh, or on Jesus' lips in Mark, repent. What are we calling this series in Malachi? Return to the Lord. It is his constant call. It is the call for today as we live in the days of God's patience and as we begin returning to him, so we continue each day. We're not talking today. Uh, God is never saying try harder or do more. What he is saying is, now that I have wonderfully brought you into my family, live the family likeness. That is the response that recognises you know and trust my love. And so we need to do that in the way in which we treat each other, but we need to do that in the way we respond to justice, to judgment, the judgment of God, and injustice in the circumstances in which we find ourselves in our lives. Will you depend on him? Will you rely on his justice over the justice you and I would cook up? Judgment is not popular, even among people who profess to trust the word of God. It's not something we embrace with enthusiasm, nor does he. 
but God will do what is right and he can be trusted. And today he calls on us to fear him so that we need not fear him. Let me lead us in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for your glorious word and works. That though we are impatient and we think we know better, that you have been patient and long-suffering with us. Lift our eyes, we pray, in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of circumstances that would try and persuade us uh, that you do not love us. Lift our eyes to see Jesus and all you have done in him. And grant us, we pray, that endurance that will see us by your kindness to the last day when all suffering and injustice will be taken away. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.